When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Go get that first down and get a touchdown. Rock em, suck em. All right, welcome to another edition of the Purple Podcast. Uh, We'll start with Zolgad and Matthew Collar, of course, both of us from uh, 1500 ESPN, 1500ESPN.com. I would imagine at some point during uh, today's Purple Podcast, we'll also be joined by uh, Ben Gessling, who was in Washington to watch the Vikings lose for the fourth consecutive uh, time, 26-20 to uh, to the Redskins. All right, Collar, let's start with your column uh, that you posted to our website your thoughts on what is going on with a team that was once 5-0 and and now, no matter how you paint it, is reeling? Uh, injuries. It comes down to injuries every facet of the game of these last two losses, of these last four losses. We could talk about all the other things that have gone on, the firing, uh, I mean resignation, <clears throat> uh, of a uh, offensive coordinator. We could talk about... Different plays, different mistakes, final drives, whether they should have played prevent defense. We could talk all day about the kicker, which we did in our last Purple Podcast. Blair Walsh, who uh, may no longer and by be the way, with the Vikings by the way, this. By the way, as I tweeted today, and I got a lot of feedback that was not positive towards me, when Blair Walsh screws up, no longer blame him. This is all on the coaching staff. They are enabling this to happen. So they could make a change. They don't make a change. That's on them. When he can't make an extra point, if anybody says, oh, I'm surprised by that, stop with it. The coaching staff's enabling him to continue to work as an employee, and he can't do the job. Okay, back to my point, though. Sorry. Back to my point. Sorry. Calm down. Take a deep breath. Um, it just ticks me off. <laughs> I just, I, I hate what I hate. All right, keep going. Sorry. You can only have so many injuries that you can get over, and the first thing you always get when you say injuries are the biggest factor that have caused them to lose these last four games is, hey, every team has injuries. Right. But the most cap space of any team in the NFL on IR is the Minnesota Vikings. And they've lost positions that really matter. It isn't like wide receivers. Sorry, wide receivers. But if you lose your third third wide receiver, you can replace that guy. You can bring somebody else in. 
you lose your two starting tackles, and it's going to hurt you. And it has hurt them in key times over these last four games. It killed them in the Eagles and Bears game when North Turner was trying to go back to his deep drop offense. And it has hurt them at big times in these last couple of games. And also, when we're talking about getting a yard on a run play every once in a while, yep. they are unable to establish anything in the run game. I am all for, hey, like it's a passing league and you got to throw the ball and all those things. But because the offensive line is so inept due to injuries, they have a one-dimensional offense that is only able to throw the ball to Stefan Diggs. And that's the whole offense. And today, it actually, considering that that's all they can do is throw short passes to one player, to gain over 300 yards and put up 20 points is halfway decent. They don't come away at the end of the game. A lot could have gone better. But if we're talking about big picture, to me, it's, all the players who have gone down and been unable to play on offense and in defense today hasn't been defense all season, but defense today without Captain Munnerlyn or Eric Hendricks. I look at the defensive losses as of right now, and I actually agree with you more on that side of the ball. The offense, I think we got to peel this back a little bit, all right? Because here's here's what we know. We know, although he's not that great a player, I I will definitively sit here and say this is why when people applauded when Khalil went out that they were mistaken. Matt Khalil's not very good, but you know what he knows? He knows how, how to play left tackle, a semblance of the position. Uh, however, that being said, the reality of their situation right now is they can't get an interior push on an offensive line that has your three plan starters in the middle there. Your center and your two guards. Those those were your guys. The other thing where I blame them for offensive line construction is Andre Smith, before he got hurt, was awful as well. Now, TJ Clemmings, we we all know he shouldn't be playing. And for some reason, just like with Blair Walsh, the coaching staff keeps coming back and saying, oh, no, we're going to play him. Uh, but I actually think the offense – I fault them more offensive line-wise for not being prepared and not having the right guys in place there. And just go back and look. When Adrian Peterson was healthy, he was at, what, 1.6 yards a carry? I mean, for him, ridiculously low. Where I would tend to, I guess, jump to your side a little bit, though, is defense. Because you're at a place – Mackenzie Alexander has no business plan right now. I mean, he might be a good player eventually, but (laughs) Kirk Cousins uh, saw Xavier Rhodes go out and – Literally, you could see the drool coming from his face. And so there are things on defense where I think they definitely miss guys. Uh, the offense, I think, is a bigger conversation about inability, though. And this run game's not bad. This run game's a complete embarrassment. I mean, we're not we're not talking a run game that you're saying to yourself, if you just get Peterson back. Yes, it would help some, but I'm sorry. This run game, and when you realize that the center and guards are their guys— that's embarrassing. And I think the Joe Berger is the only one who has had a halfway decent season. But, I mean, even with the injuries, Brandon Fusco had to miss a big portion of a game. Uh, he had a concussion, and then Alex Boone had a concussion. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to say if those guys waited the proper amount of time to come back or not with the way the concussions work. Uh, Boone has, I think, had an okay season at times, at other times not so much. Uh, but the tackles are getting blown up constantly on run plays. Yeah. You have yeah. two running backs in Ronnie Hillman and Jarek McKinnon who are outside runners, 
and you're giving them nothing on the outsides because your tackles are being destroyed every time. And then, I mean, the interior push is a big deal for those thirds and ones and fourths. Right, and ones. those are the short but yardage, yeah. when the tackle gets blown up, too, you've got guys in the backfield, and just as a whole, there isn't anybody who is really reliable to go behind. And maybe that wouldn't have been the case before. Maybe you're right. But now, this goes back to which injury is affecting it more. It's probably the the accumulation accumulation of, of all of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, Adrian Peterson, does he get a yard instead of Matt Asiata getting zero? Like, probably. Does he shred but one you, of those tackles or two of those tackles to get a few yards here and there just to be a threat to the opponent? Asiata is not that good. I get that, okay? But go back to 2014 when the line could actually block a little bit, and he was he could be productive. But the fact that they consistently can't get that yard, the coaching staff continues to run that play. And you say to yourself, why the hell are you doing that? Mm-hmm. And they're saying, because it's not hard to run that play. That's the one play where he should be able to basically bowling ball forward, and he can't even do it. There is zero push there. I mean, it's not like, oh, there's sort of a push. There is zero push there. And this offensive line is a complete mess. Uh, Sam Bradford, I'm still convinced, is going to get killed. He took a hit today, and Fox didn't say much about this, but there was a play where there was a guy on Bradford in the first half, Matthew, immediately, and he hit him. And Bradford continues to go down on his shoulder, and I'm convinced that we are going to get to a point within the next month or so where he's going to go down on, on that uh, shoulder and knock it up. I mean, it's just you see this continually, and the problems continue to present them- themselves. And as I wrote today, you know who, who I fault? I fault myself because I'm the guy when the Vikings were sitting at five and zero who said, "Yeah, you know, you know, I know that the Vikings' history is to have problems and struggle, but this defense is so good." And despite the fact that we both sat there in the press box at U.S. Bank Stadium and watched that Houston game and said, okay, the line looks leaky, the run game's not great, but I still bought in. And I'm the moron who said, I don't, (laughs) where's that next loss? I mean, I went through the entire schedule with Mackey and I said, I'm not sure where I see a loss. Shame on me for buying in. Well, I, I won't say shame on you for believing in them because after that Texans win, they're five and zero going into the bye, and are the most impressive team in the NFL. And they had just gotten their offense together and lit up a very good Texans defense for thirty four points. But I, I, I want to go back to what you were talking about with Sam Bradford. And sure. here's the thing: after a game like this, because it ends the way it did with an interception from Bradford, which is a little bit of bad luck there. It's it's the wrong read by Bradford on the zone blitz, but um, it's it, the guy tips it in the air and has to grab it with one hand to make that catch. So there's a little bit of interception luck there. Mm-hmm. And then the way that it ends on the, on the final drive, uh, they're moving down the field, and then he takes a sack that he shouldn't take, should just throw the ball away, and, and so on and so forth. Bradford is getting heat. People are going back to, oh, you gave up a first-round pick for this quarterback. I think Sam Bradford has been every bit as good as you ever could have dreamed Sam Bradford would be outside of two games where he was maybe being sabotaged a bit by his offensive coordinator. Considering the lack of a run game, considering this is an abomination of an offensive line that has players on it that pro football focus is calling the worst of the last decade. TJ Clemmings is awful. He's not an NFL player in my mind. I think Sam Bradford has had a really, really good season and given them a chance to even be where they are right now. If you were to come up with a list right now of the last four games and the problem areas that exist, 
Sam Bradford wouldn't be on the first two pages of that list, right? I mean, say, I don't watch Bradford at any point and say to myself, you've got to do, do this or that. Now, now nor for the two weeks out of the bye put him in a position to fail by you know going back to five and seven step drops. But the last two weeks, Sam Bradford is doing absolutely the best he can with nothing. I mean, when you have an offense that has no threat of a run game, and I don't mean if you're the Redskins, you sort of got, got to pay attention to it. I mean, you're laughing. If you know that they're going to run the ball, you're laughing. Quarterback becomes extremely limited in what he can do productively. Yes, Sam Bradford would not make the first two pages of any list, and I'm talking a list from top to bottom, of problems in this four-game losing streak. And he made big throws, completed over 75% of his passes. Stefan Diggs and him. That connection, that connection was fantastic, and you knew it was coming. I mean, everyone in that stadium, right? Right. And he I mean, was they all a- knew. Right. And he was able to execute an offense that, like you said, every defense now knows the only thing you guys can do is throw it short over the middle to Stefan Diggs. Mm-hmm. And he gets 13 receptions two weeks in a row <laughs> yes. for Stefan Diggs. And that was the, the reason they were able to move the, the ball at all today. And then they even solved some red zone issues with Sam Bradford executing at the end of the half and getting a touchdown instead of a field goal there, mm-hmm. which I thought, uh, you know, they're in the red zone again. Here we go. And it's going to be a problem. But two touchdown throws from him and a very nice you know, fake handoff and then drops it into Adam Thielen for the touchdown, got it out quick enough. Sure. Uh, so even if he had gotten tackled, they wouldn't have run out of time. I mean, I thought he executed the offense like a dream compared to I think what a lot of quarterbacks would do in the case of having this offensive line and other teams yeah. knowing exactly where you're going. No, if, you, if you're if you mad at the quarterback, you are missing the point. I mean, the quarterback is driving a car that's been sheared in half. <laughs> he doesn't have a backside. I mean, they have nothing they can do running-wise. They, they have zero. Everything is predicated on starting with if the Vikings are going to do damage at all offensively, which for the most part they're not, they're going to have to pass the ball. I mean, if you now Bridgewater, if he had stayed healthy, you could make a case that because he's more mobile, that would help. But Teddy Bridgewater would have been put in awful situations for a third or fourth year guy at this point. I mean, you'd be asking him, you'd basically be saying to him, okay, your options are you can either run the ball. Or if you're going to stay in the pocket, you're going to get hit. Bradford at least Bradford's got the veteran sort of savvy to know, I think, how, how to, to work through that. Now that's not saying that he won't get hurt, but can you imagine a young quarterback put in this situation where there is nothing? I mean, people go back to last year and talk about that. Well, the difference last year is Peterson was still pretty damn productive. Mm-hmm. And the offensive line wasn't good last year. This is a disaster. I mean, if you look at the 2015 and 16 line, 2015, you'd like to be better, and it, it cost a guy his job. This line right now is awful. It's, it's not functional. It can't work like this. And now Jake Long's lost too, by the way. Right, and poor Jake Long, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I haven't gotten to know Jake very well because he's only been around the team uh, for a couple you, of games. You won't but... now. He's going to retirement next. But I know that he Blood worked Achilles, He worked extremely hard to get back. And actually, I thought the last two weeks had played pretty well. He played exactly how we thought he might. Was, can you come in and just be below average? Can you just be mediocre? Mm-hmm. And he was. On the other side, TJ Clemmings is way below that. Mm-hmm. Like, not NFL level. But when Jake Long was there, he was an NFL backup level 
tackle and was providing them halfway decent play. Now, what might happen here is Alex Boone may end up going to tackle, which he projects kind of like that with his size and his athleticism, right? As more of a tackle than, than, than a guard. Yeah, he looks like a tackle. Now, my question is, why didn't that happen before? I mean, well, we might find out why, though. Uh, right. I mean, once we, he moves, we there, might. who knows? But you can't, it might be a disaster. You over cannot there. tell me it's not a better option to have Jeremiah Searles on the inside, where he was nah, okay, yeah. and Boone on the outside, and TJ Clemmings not playing. Oh, no, I, I agree with that. I said weeks ago Searles should play, if nothing else, right tackle. I mean, he's not great, but he's better. He's an improvement there. The TJ Clemmings thing, I I don't get. And here's so here's my question though. I think the reason why we're so down on Blair Walsh is because we see cutting him as an answer. I mean, if you cut him, and granted, you're going to bring somebody in off their couch, and it's not going to be perfect, but it's a proactive move. But here's the scary thing: if you think about this, a lot of their problems really can't be fixed. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nobody out there offensive line-wise. The trade deadline is gone, right? There's nobody. If you look at a lot of the things that ail this team right now and given guys who are out with injuries, Matthew, there are some predicaments where they're either going to fix themselves or this is going to be just a colossal collapse as opposed to the collapse we're seeing right now. The only thing that they can hope for mm-hmm. – is that Captain Munnerlyn comes back next week, and he did practice on Friday, limited basis, but did practice on Friday. Mm-hmm. That he comes back, that Eric Kendricks comes back, mm-hmm. and that their defense plays like the '85 Bears the rest of the way. I, I Which th- is happening less and well, less. Yeah. It is, but I think it's happening less and less because some guys are dinged up, including they didn't have Kendricks the last two weeks, and not having Munnerlyn turned out to be huge. Yeah. Alexander got smoked when he was brought in the game for the second straight week. And then uh, Trey Wayans did not play very well at all today. Xavier Rhodes was dinged up at the end of last week's game. He played this week, didn't quite have the same level that he's played with before, and then left at the end of the game, which cost them on several plays. With a potential concussion, which if it proves to be a concussion, might mean there's no guarantee he plays against the Cardinals next Sunday. Yeah, right. Because we're very concerned about concussions in this league now, in case you haven't heard. But if all of those guys are healthy, Mm -hmm. let's just say, Mm-hmm. That's the only way that this gets turned around because today was about as weird as it feels to say as good as this offense is going to be. I mean, they put up 20 points. Bradford was great in his statistical game. He makes one mistake. That's the thing. He's got two interceptions on the year, right? I mean, yeah. he has not made very many mistakes. No, no, no. Yeah, the conversation make... does not involve the problems do not involve Bradford whatsoever. The problem is this. Can you win football games when you simply cannot run the football? It's not one-dimensional. You are zero-dimensional in the run, and you can pass a little bit, but everyone knows the pass is coming. And I'm sorry, but I think after the last two weeks, Stefan Diggs is going to get taken away more and more because, mm-hmm. once again, defensive coordinators don't sit there and say, man, that Diggs is really good. We can't stop him. They're going to say, how do we stop him? And the Cardinals are going to have a plan for it. And that zone blitz today that resulted in the interception is one of the ways to stop those throws over the middle is – dropping back a linebacker, defensive lineman uh, underneath what you're going to do. So uh, if all, but if all, this is the only chance of this team still being one of the best in the NFC. And if you think about it, you are just one or two plays away from winning these last two games and being seven and two. It's that the defense will have to be a hundred percent healthy and play extremely well. And the offense and Sam Bradford will have to continue to play like they did today, complete 70 plus percent of the passes, move the ball entirely through the air and score in the red zone. It's, it's a big ask considering the injuries that they have.
There's a party on our podcast, and you're invited. Hey, everyone, Anthony Maggio here. Join me, Bo Mitchell, and John Tuvey every Thursday through Week 16 of the NFL season for 1500 ESPN's Fantasy Football Party Podcast. Whether you're an office league novice or swimming with the DFS Sharks, we've got all the analysis and mostly dated cultural references you need to make you a winner. Find us on Podcast One, 1500ESPN.com, or subscribe on iTunes today. All right, Purple Podcast continues here. Uh, Vikings lose to the Redskins four in a row that the Vikings have lost. Ben Gessling, ESPN.com, joins the conversation now. All right, Ben, uh, following the loss to the Lions, uh, we got from Zim the whole thing about, I didn't like how we played the last two weeks, but I'm more satisfied now. I think my guys tried hard, and if they try like that, we'll win games. After the fourth loss in a row today, what was the message from the head coach? Uh, The message was more like what we heard last week than what we heard uh, after the Eagles game, certainly. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe he realized that he went a little too far that day. But the, the, message, the message was more of the, they're fighting, they're, you know, they're doing, they're trying to stick it out, but he said we're just not playing very well. And I, I think that's probably accurate. I mean, you watch it, that certainly was the case today. It was interesting, though, to hear Alex Boone say, he can say that, but at some point it gets, Tiring to hear, yeah, you're, you're fighting, you're trying hard. If you're not winning, I mean, it, it was you can you can tell guys are frustrated in the locker room, and you can tell that there's probably as much as Mike Zimmer is trying to, to lift their spirits, they they feel like if if we don't produce, we're just getting patted on the head for nothing. So, uh, you know, I think he's he's trying to to get the confidence back, but it still just isn't there right now. So uh, for this four-game losing streak, Ben, how much do we put it on one Mike Zimmer? Uh, because there's a case to be made that, you know, you're 5-0 and and things are going in a great direction, and then there's potentially strange motivational tactics, there's a uh, shift in the offensive philosophy, and then a resignation, and then a shift back in offensive philosophy, and then two defensive performances that were okay, but maybe not to the level that they wanted them to be. Are we starting to, you know, point point at Mike Zimmer at all for this? Uh, that take is a little hotter than I'm going to go at this <laughs> point. Uh, not that I would expect different, but uh, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's that so much. I mean, the offensive dysfunction, yes, I'll, I'll give you that. That has not been good, and, and I think they were, again, closer to what they want to be today. Um, unfortunately, running the ball is not something they're able to do. I mean, the the offensive stuff was brewing a lot longer. I mean, that had been brewing since before the season. I mean, it really was brewing before last season. So, I mean, that I, I don't know that I put a ton of it on that. I mean, I, you obviously don't want to have to change offensive coordinator during the season, and they maybe should have been able to see that the – let's put a bunch of cooks in the kitchen plan wasn't necessarily going to go exactly how they wanted to, but I, I still think a lot of this right now is just, they, you know, they don't want to admit it and Mike Zimmer's not going to admit it, but there just isn't enough on offense to be able to get around some of these injuries. I mean, they just don't have enough playmakers to deal with the fact that there's no offensive line. I mean, nobody can deal with that, but, you don't have enough guys that scare you to, to make the big play to, to make up for it because what you end up having to do is 
is dink and dunk your way down the field. And when that happens, there's a lot more chance for a mistake to happen or a sack to happen or whatever it would happen to be. I mean, you just aren't able to get many of those plays where it's 35, 40 yards at a time, whether it's somebody breaking the tackle or somebody hitting something downfield. You know, when you have to sit there and chip away like that, you open yourself up to more opportunities for mistakes. And, and we saw it today when they were trying to come back and, and uh, on the last drive. I mean, they had, had a couple chances there and really aren't able to do anything more than chip away and hope it keeps working. Can the run game, question for both of you guys, can it be fixed? Because there's there's nothing other than Peterson or Khalil uh, being activated from IR. There's nobody that you can trade for or sign off the street. Can the run game with this current roster be fixed? Ben, you want to go first? Um, well, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, I think um, – I, I don't know that it can. I, I think that I mean, even when Adrian Peterson was healthy, we saw these issues. I mean, yes, it would help to be able to pick up a yard. I mean, you're probably going to be able to have a little more success there. But, I mean, but that's supposed to be where Matt Asiata excels. And when there's just this car crash in front of you and this pile of bodies in front of you, it, it's hard to make that work. I mean, I, yeah, I think if you get Adrian Peterson back, that is probably the best thing you can do for yourself at this point. But uh, I just I think the line is in such bad shape that I'm not sure that it can be fixed. I look at it the same way that I actually look at the offensive line, which is could it go from historically bad to just real bad? And if it if it went from 2.7 yards per carry and Adrian Peterson came back and maybe you get three and a half yards a carry, then at least there's a threat of Adrian Peterson breaking one big through as bad as the offensive line could be. Maybe he shreds a couple of tackles and breaks one out, or maybe he just gets that one yard. Man Asiata is not going to be able to do it on his own when it comes to this. I mean, he's supposed to be the guy that can get one yard, but it's pretty clear that he can't. And that's the other thing, Ben, that has amazed me, is that they keep going back to that well. I just don't understand that. I, if people talk about whether you're allowed to criticize play calling or not. Well, I can criticize a play that continually does not work, and the offensive line and running back are not capable of executing properly and, and, and you going back to it time and time again. I mean, it even took until third down to punch it in from, uh, you know, inches at the goal line today. I, I don't understand. Of all the things that I think over the last two weeks have gotten a lot better and made a lot of progress on that offense, that's one that I'm just scratching my head about. Yeah, five of the first eight plays in the second half were runs to Matt Asiata, and those met at nine yards. I mean, when you had them reeling after – scoring three times in the second quarter and you come out you get a stop and you come out and do nothing with it you gave the momentum back awfully quickly so I mean yeah that that part left me scratching my head a little bit too I I will say that I mean when you you lean that much on a running game that isn't producing anything I mean I understand that the need to want to to create some balance but yeah yeah that part the, the play calling to come out there when you had a chance to Put yourself in a situation where you get up by two scores. I mean, yep. if you make something at that drive, you're up by two scores in a completely different game. Had that been the case, you know, maybe they end up coming out of this with a win. But yeah, I mean, that part, that, I mean, if I look at play calling, that's kind of the sequence today that makes me scratch my head. How's Rhodes? Did that turn out to be a concussion, Ben, or no? Do we know? Well, it was being evaluated for one. I, I mean, I think that it will be. I, he he didn't talk after the game. Obviously, they're going to have him in the concussion protocol. I, sure. I, I don't know if they ever have cleared him from it yet. 
um, they, you know, it happened so late in the game that it was uh, it was tough to tell in the locker room afterwards if he had been cleared or not. But uh, I would expect that he'll be in the protocol, and, and we'll probably have to go through that this week and see where he's at for the Cardinals game on Sunday. So what you're telling me is Carson Palmer might be looking at a defensive secondary that would include uh, Mackenzie Alexander having to play quite a bit. Uh, captain might or might not play if he's out. Trey Waynes and boy, oh Newman, boy. who's not bad, but I'm sorry. If I'm Carson Palmer and I see that, boys, I am going to light up U.S. Bank Stadium. It's going to be an aerial circus, and it's going to be an aerial circus early in that game. Maybe. We saw them go in there last December with Terrence Newman and Anthony Harris as their safeties, and they almost came out of there with a win absent a bad play call on the last drive. So, I mean, I mean that defense had a little more confidence and was able to been strong to gold a little bit easier than yeah. this one is right now, but uh, it's well put. I mean they have been able they have seen the Cardinals shorthanded in the not so distant past, and uh, they were able to at least play a, a reasonably competent defensive game. So I I, I would expect that Munderland would be able to go. I mean he did a little bit of work on Friday, and I assume they'll try to to do a little bit more this week. I, I would think after a, a week of being able to rest it, I. There's probably a pretty good chance you at least get one of those guys back, and then we'll see what happens with Rhodes. But uh, yeah, I mean, even if it's even if they're in that situation, I, I think they uh, have shown in the past that they might not be completely down for the count if they are missing some guys in the secondary against Arizona. As far as today's game goes, though, it seemed like the injuries were a big factor. I mean, missing Captain Munnerlin. Uh, was big because it forces Terrence Newman to play that nickel spot. And then Trey Wayans, I thought he had a pretty tough day. Losing Eric Hendricks early, we thought that getting Eric Hendricks back in the lineup would be a big help uh, as opposed to playing the Lions last week without him. And then he goes out after that collision. And then for the rest of the game, I also wondered, where's Anthony Barr right now in terms of his health after taking that collision as well? So, Ben, I I thought it was big. Yeah, I would agree. Anthony Barr, I think, has even when he's been healthy, has had kind of an underwhelming year. But I mean, against the Redskins, when they have those tight ends that they throw to as much as they do, that is going to hurt. And you need linebackers that can cover. And I know I was talking to John Kime, our Redskins writer. He, he was talking to Redskins coaches this week, and they were licking their chops about what their tight ends could do. I mean, he had a coach tell him basically that if you get a matchup with Chad Greenway in coverage, that's place you have to look because you can make some money there and and when you lose Eric Kendricks that means you're going to see a lot more of Chad Greenway in the nickel and and in pass coverage at this point you don't really want to have to put Chad Greenway out there if you can avoid it because he's he's just not as strong of an option he's not an asset in coverage right now so that I think was something the Redskins really kind of keyed in on during their game plan this week and we saw it I mean on that touchdown it looked like they he I mean I don't know how well you could see it on TV, but from where we were sitting, he had two guys wide open that he could have hit for a touchdown on that. He actually thought picked the tougher throw of the two. Uh, I'm going to take what has been a hot take for a long time right now and turn it up so that the building blows up. If Blair, if Blair Walsh is allowed to continue to kick for this team, it is a sign to the rest of the locker room that this team doesn't care that much. You have now gotten to the point where you know you can't score points. When you do, they are precious. They are like your children. And yet you continue to employ a kicker who week in and week out, you have no idea if he can make extra points and field goals. 
if you continue to have him kick, what I think the message is, is, yeah, we care, but we really don't care that much. How's that for a sports Grinch take? Drama starts with you guys. I'll leave it at that, as uh, as we heard week one from the kicker. Uh, no, yeah, I, exactly. I would agree. I You gave him the week. You gave him the shot across the bow. You kind of told him, okay, the next one won't miss in terms of the next shot that you take. Um, the next extra point, I guess, did miss. I mean, he's missed four extra points now, and he's had the field goal issues. I, I think it's time. I think it's still clearly something that is eating at him, and I, I think it's just not going to get fixed here, I don't think. I mean, it's going to be a, the kind of thing where he's probably going to have to need a change of scenery, and he'll probably go somewhere else and be an effective kicker again. I think he's talented enough to be a very good kicker, but he's got to get his head right, and I just don't know that that's going to happen here as you're continuing to see you know, trying to go back out there, trying to fix it, trying to to say he's confident, trying to work with things, and just nothing is, is getting fixed. And, you know, then that last drive, we're sitting there, Brian Murphy and I were sitting there in the press box saying, you know, watch them go down and score to tie this, and then he misses the extra point. I mean, it, you know, if that would have happened, that would have been probably find your own flight home, kid. But, uh, I mean, even as it is, the fact that you would have needed an extra point at the end to, to win the game shouldn't have happened. I mean, it should have been 26-21, and you should have been able to win it independent of the extra point, and once again, it was it was something where he put them in a tough spot, and that point could have been pivotal just like it was last week. Now, let me double down on the hotness of the take here, if I can. If you're the Vikings, Scorching. yeah, I'm, I'm spending too much time around you, Judd. If uh, the Vikings see their season as, all right, these last two losses were tough, but there were a lot of things that went against us, and we lost right at the end of both games, had a chance to win them, and next time it'll be better. If they believe that they could still reel off a bunch of wins here the rest of the way, they could be a playoff team, they could be a Super Bowl competitor, then they get rid of Blair Walsh like right now. But if they look at it more as, well, the season's really up in the air and we don't know what's going to happen here, then I think they leave him on the team because they're going to say, let's just keep seeing if he sorts it out. Because we've we've got some time here for the rest of the season, then we'll see if he sorts it out, and we'll make that decision at a later time. Is that is that too far, Ben? Well, yeah, I think it is at this point. I mean, you know, the fact that they still I mean, they still control their own destiny, as, as bad as this has been. Yes, they're tied to the division lead now, but if they win Thanksgiving Day, they're back in charge of it. And I mean, I don't think anybody in that locker room is giving up on the season yet certainly not going to when you're tied to the division lead nine games into the year. I, I guess the the thing that I could see happening is that they say, well, our first order of business now has to be finding another offensive lineman once again. Alex Boone said after the game that he and Tony Sperano were going to talk, and, and he did not rule out the possibility of him moving out to tackle. Interesting. But if you do that, you've got to go find somebody else to play guard, or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's Zach Karen or maybe it's Nick Easton or somebody like that. But you're probably going to go need to, to take a look at adding whatever you can on the offensive line again. I, I checked again today. They're up to like $910,000 in cap room. And when you get later in the season, you're prorating deals. I mean, there's probably enough to sign a tackle and a kicker, I guess. But I could see them saying, well, the first priority is getting another lineman and maybe we kick this can down the road another week. But, yeah, I, I think it's it's time to, to make that move. I, I think if, if you're going to – try to get the season the way you think it could go. And I, I don't think there's a reason to throw in the towel yet when you're when you're still sitting there at five four. But 
yeah, I mean, to me, it's time to make that move. But uh, we'll, we'll see how they go this week now that they have another problem on the offensive line to address. There's a lot of things that have gone wrong for the Vikings that they can't control. Lots of guys hurt. The one thing that you can control is Blair Walsh. And the other thing, too, that I would say is you're sitting there at 5-4. and four. The division, by the way, is putrid. The best team on, yes. on Sunday in the division Got the, was the one that didn't play. They didn't play, and that's why, I mean, the Bears are awful. The Packers, my God, it's it's a complete disaster there. Uh, I also believe firmly that at 5-4, and four, you can't look and say, we, right before the regular season started, guys, we traded a first and fourth round pick for a quarterback because we were all in, and now say, but you know what, we're going to stick with a kicker that we can't trust. So I think the, the Vikings have done far too much for the sake of 2016 to now say, okay, but this is okay. It's not okay. So if you're looking at this and you're the Vikings and you're a player and Blair Walsh shows up in the locker room on Wednesday, I think you're saying to yourself, hold on a second, where we were doing everything we can to win, but we're going to employ a guy who I can't trust. To me, that is a message that is really, really bad. Really bad. Well, a lot of this, I think, if they keep him, we see this habit with them at times. I mean, it, it, with any draft and develop team where it's guys that you drafted, guys that you grouped, guys mm-hmm. that you believe in, you tend to probably give them a little more rope than they should have at times. And I, I think the Vikings have certainly done that with certain players. Probably Josh Robinson was in that group. Um, Christian Ponder, even to some extent, I think you could have argued that, that they gave him a little bit too long. I mean, guys that they drafted, guys that they invested highly in, they, they have tended to do that. Matt Khalil probably could be put in that group, and, and Blair Walsh may be getting to that point as well. I mean, they, they certainly have, have benefited at times from letting guys develop and letting things play out. Um, you know, I certainly think that looks like it's going to be the case with, with some of the young players, and Xavier Rhodes being one of those guys that, that has developed quite nicely. But, um, you know, at, at times I do think they make that, they err on that side of, we're going to give our guys a little too much time, and, and sometimes that maybe isn't the right course of action. So where do we stand as as we look forward to the entire rest of the season? Because, I mean, fans, of course, are throwing themselves off whatever bridges are here in Minnesota, and understandably, after you lose four straight games, it's pretty hard to convince anybody that you deserve consideration for being a contender in the NFC and the way that they've lost them and the injuries that they have and the mistakes on offense and the lack of running game and all the thing that's added up, it's pretty hard to say, oh yeah, ship will just get turned around next week and we're fine. But you mentioned, Ben, they're still uh, up at the top of the division with a game against the Lions to go. They've got the Bears again. They've got the Packers again. Is, should we look at this like, yeah, it's really bad right now, but this should still be a playoff team? I mean, 10 wins wins the division, right? I mean, you, you win this thing at 10-6, and six, don't you? At the rate we're going, yes, absolutely. The division stinks. Yeah. So, I mean, you say, say you beat the Bears because you're going to get disinterested Jay Cutler on New Year's Day. You, I mean, the Packers at this point, who knows by that point? They they seem like they're quitting on Mike McCarthy. I, I did not watch that game today, but it was obviously the same time as the Vikings game. But seeing some of the comments after the game and, and just the way it went, some of the stuff I saw on Twitter, it seems like that's where they're going. So, I mean, that one might be a win. They still got at Jacksonville. Uh, just trying to think through the rest of the schedule. Dallas is going to be – they're probably going to lose that game. But I don't, I don't buy Detroit that much. I mean, you know, Indianapolis isn't that good. I mean – you look at it, 
it should be – I still think there's enough here to be able to scrounge up five wins. The, the other concern, and we haven't touched on it, the thing they have to get fixed is this defense has to get back to a point where it's able to carry this team because it, it hasn't played that way at all since the bye week. And, and some of that is that teams have figured out how to throw quickly on them and, and be able to neutralize their pass rush. But however it has to happen, this defense has to get back to a point where it's able to shut games down. We haven't seen them do that here and well, really, since the bye week. Last thing is, I think what's happened here is this: at five and zero, after all that had gone wrong, and you trade for Bradford, and it looks so good. At that point, you said to yourself, "This has a real chance to be a special season, right?" I think the tough thing to accept I think now. Mike Zimmer used the word yes. "special," didn't he? Yes, he did. But I think I think the problem now is the Vikings could very well make the playoffs, but you feel like they're going to do it treading water the whole time. So I think if this was a collective group of fighters that got off to a bad start and came back and won three in, in a row and then lost a couple and they fought the whole year, the feeling would be very different. I think what. Vikings fans are probably having a trouble grasping is you go from 5 and 0 going into the bye week a special season to my gosh it's unraveling and it's unraveling quickly and you still might make the playoffs but the feeling of the season now has entirely changed I think I saw more comparisons to 2003 on Twitter today than I've seen all season That's that, all Mackie, that tells you where the mood of this thing is right now That's Mackie's deal to feel a little bit like that Yep yeah, it does. It does. But it's just that things were going so well for so long. And and the shame on us is we saw the flaws. We saw some of these flaws, but we just said, okay, but they're getting around it. And part of that is on the defense was so damn good. But, yep. but now those flaws are just so obvious, and they've gone from being small abrasions or cuts to big warts and zits. And we're saying... Well, I never thought it would get that bad. Well, so. where they were against Houston was probably at the edge of those problems, and any more problems that arose would cause this to happen, right? Well, we knew, all right, Clemmings is in, and he's getting destroyed by Whitney Merciless, but hey, they're getting the ball out fast, and then they decide to stop getting the ball out fast, and things go awry there. And then, all right, well, we're back to getting the ball out fast, but there's even more injuries, and there's no running game. Oh, and on the defensive side, they're allowing more than 10 points a game now, and it's kind of been a perfect storm over these last four games, which would make me say that it is possible that with considering the division, the schedule the rest of the way, it is possible for this still to be a successful season. A special season, though, probably not. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how it all shakes out. I, 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 don't, I don't see this. Being, I mean, some of these flaws are pretty fundamental issues. I mean, when you're not able to protect your quarterback and you're not able to run the ball whatsoever, I mean, even at a, a mediocre level like we're talking about, when you can't get to that point, it's hard to see anything coming out of this that's going to fix it. But uh, it's, you know, I, I don't know that I buy anybody in the NFC at a level where I'm like, yeah, that's that's the team that that isn't going to be able to be stopped. I mean, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out here, but. Um, you know, I, I'm not ready to say that they're not able to, to make some noise, but at the same time, they have some pretty deep fundamental issues that they'd have to fix pretty quickly. Thanks, Gessling. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. All right, guys. All right. Thanks. That was Ben Gessling. Joins the Purple Podcast, of course, every Sunday post game, and also with you, Matthew Collar, on uh, Wednesdays, the Midweek Purple Podcast, which you can find, I think we're in a normal week, right? So you can find the Purple Podcast again 
Wednesday, is that correct? Yes. Okay. That is correct. And there's a new Purple Podcast game. Oh. So if you listen all the way to the end, I am making Ben guess the other team's quarterback history since 2000. So uh, with we've got Arizona coming up here. Yeah. So he's going to have to guess who played quarterback, starting quarterbacks for Arizona from 2000 up until current. He, oh. did, he did a pretty good job. But he'll look it up now. Well, no, he won't. He's not going to cheat. He's supposed to not cheat? No, he's not going to cheat. cheat. Yeah, no, I Mackie know would you, cheat for I sure. I know you would. I would probably cheat. Phil would for sure. I, I trust Ben. All right. And he's not going to cheat. This is the new game. For I'll the rest check it of the out season, on Wednesday. He is going to guess quarterback histories, and that may end up being the most fun part of that if, uh, I mean, we start thinking too much about the way this game went today. Yeah, it was ugly. Yeah. All right, uh, Vikings lose to Washington. Purple Podcast is done. Check us out, uh, 1500ESPN.com. Caller has a column posted. I have one posted. And uh, Gessling will join the fray again on Wednesday. Talk to you all later. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.